Wow, it is so great to hear the, the singing and the praising of God this morning, and what a beautiful day that we have. Uh, I'm just so excited for our weekend together and, and all that God is going to do. Uh, so for those of you who've never been here, uh, one of the, the highlights of the weekend is that we bring uh, some very special people to come and uh, share with us to give us some uh, thoughts and things to think about and, and reflect upon and to... Um, to just see maybe some things in a, in a different way. And I think you're going to experience that this weekend. Um, a number of years ago, I uh, met a guy named Bob Stromberg, uh, and um, we just kind of got to know each other. I uh, had him, we had him up at one of our high school camps that we did, and he and I got to spend some time hanging out together. And, and uh, at one point, I, I said, do you ever, like, speak at, you know, things? He said, I, I did a lot of that. And and now he does a lot of comedy stuff. Some of you may uh, be familiar with a show called Triple Espresso. Uh, Bob wrote that and stars in it, and I've probably seen it 15 times. So uh, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, but Bob also, in, in addition to his great comedy work, uh, and, and I think you might see a little bit of that this weekend, um, he's just got a, a great heart, a great, uh, he's just a great man of God, and I'm, I'm excited for you to get to uh, know him this weekend and to, to hear from him. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to start quiet, and then we're going to build it up. So let's just do a little, little, little clap. Yes, thanks for Bob. Yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's Bob. It's coming. Bob, Bob is here. Yeah. So we really want to, yeah. It's, I mean, it's really, come on now. We're thinking about this. Now, wait, it's Bob Stromberg's here. Bob is in the house. Come on, Bob. Yeah. Is, is that how you want that's me to good, do that? That's good, yeah. that's good. No, no. Please, please stay seated. Hey, so, so nice to be with you. Um, let me just ask this question. That's a nice introduction. Thank you, Pete. Um, how many of you, honestly, and, and don't feel funny about this, how many of you, you've never heard of me, you have no idea what I do or what I would do, be doing with, just raise your hand. Hold them right up. Hold them up. Okay, six. Well, listen, I want to assure you people who raise your hands particularly, I just want to assure you that I'm a pretty big deal. <laughs> Didn't used to be. Even six months ago, honestly, nothing special. And then one day, I'm, on, I'm online, and this little Facebook uh, message box uh, popped up from a Facebook friend who, who was actually a real friend, and it said, congratulations, so proud. I said, thank you, why? He said, check out the link, and I did. I clicked on the link. It took me to americomics.com. There it was, Top Comics 2019. There's my picture, my bio, the whole thing right there. So, so thank you. There were 3,400 of us. I was, I was in a smaller category called clean slash older. Three of us in there. And the other two guys had walkers. But here's the thing about the internet. You, almost all of you are younger than me, so you know this to be true. The internet. Oh, my goodness. What a marketing tool. What a marketing tool. What a marketing tool. She's trying to be natural. I'm trying to be. 
What a marketing tool that internet is. Oh, oh my. Get, get you there. What a marketing tool that internet is to think that I could have a career for 40 some years like this, just kind of steady like this for 40 years, and then this happens on the internet, and it's like, whoa. As an example, I went back to that website three weeks ago. Now there are only two of us. So God is doing some wonderful things for me in my life. Judging from that last guy's picture. <laughs> oh, one of, the, one of the great things about becoming older is in the last several years, for the first times, I have become a grandfather. Oh, yes. I, I bet there are a few grandparents in here. Where are the grandparents in here? Do we have any at all? Okay, two, three, just like six of us. I asked you grandparents, is, who had their hands up over there? Is there anything like it? There isn't. There's nothing. Like, and I know that you parents have been told that. They, you're, you, we tell you that all the time, but you, we didn't get it either when we were your age. It was just, oh, wait till your grandparent. And we were like, hoo, hoo. We, you, we couldn't, you can't understand. Honestly, I did not know that I was emotionally capable of experiencing what I did until my grandkids were. I told my two sons, I thought I loved you with my whole heart, <laughs> but apparently not, because until your kids are born, I didn't know I had that extra three quarters left over in there, and then I remember my mom and dad got a chance to come out and meet their first great-grandson. His name was Ben. Is still Ben, you know. and to see my dad... Uh, holding this little guy in his arms the, uh, the day after he was born. Same family, vastly different worlds. I mean, here's this little old guy, my dad, who was, uh, uh, here's this little uh, baby who was just born in a high-tech hospital to affluent, well-educated parents. And here's my dad, this little old guy, who was not born into affluency, but born to dirt-poor immigrant Swedish farmers in the Rocky Hills of Pennsylvania, and not born in a high-tech hospital, but born out in the barn. And then they lay him in the manger. <laughs> there was no room. And then the shepherds came. Vern and Sheila Shepherd from the road, right down the road. The, uh, I'll tell you, uh, this little guy, uh, Ben, our first grandson now, this is another thing about uh, be, be getting older, uh, and you're, I'm sure that you are experiencing this already. Don't the years get faster? Do you remember when you were five or six years old, if you're thinking like you're waiting for Christmas, it's summertime, you're waiting for Christmas, and you're thinking, it will never come. It will, and that length of time from your birthday in the summer, say, to Christmas was like, it was forever, because it was a fairly large portion of your life at that point, of your entire life. Well, now you get, as you get older, the years just start to go so quickly. This little guy, Ben, now is now 14. When he was four, that's when we realized we actually understood that he was a child prodigy, which really surprised us because we know his dad. But this kid, <laughs> this kid could draw like, <laughs> like this, is, this is not, this can't be, how old is this child? Four years old? It's not possible, but it was. And yet, in other ways, he was a normal four-year-old. Four I remember he was having trouble at that point in his life with the bathroom rules in there. He knew them. He just kept getting them in the wrong order. 
give you just a second on that one if you want to think that through a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, his mom said to him, you know, Benny, why don't you illustrate? Do you remember we talked about that word illustration, that big word? That means you can tell a story by drawing a picture. You could draw three illustrations, three stories that show our three bathroom rules, and dad will frame them and hang them on the bathroom wall, and then you can follow your own illustrations, your own stories when you use, and then you'll get them in the right order. Of course, he was all over this. So this is just, so you're going to be, I mean, this is the first, first one. So. <laughs> I know, thank you. So, uh, picture, well, we don't even need to talk about it, really. I think it's pretty clear what we're illustrating. This is number two. Uh, hand on the handle there. Huh? Number three. Yeah, wash, yeah, you know, washing his hands. Well, you know the rules anyway, but this is washing his hands in that deep blue Minnesota lake water right there. His mom was not happy with me because I told him, I said, you know, Benny, you probably wouldn't have to illustrate washing your hands in number three since you didn't use them in number one. Which I think illustrates another pretty remarkable gift this young man has right there. About half of you know how difficult it is to pull that move off right there. The other, other half wish we had never attempted. I totally understand that, by the way. I'll give you a little family history since you've been uh, asking. This is, a, this is the house that I grew up in, in north central Pennsylvania. This is the house that my uh, I moved my parents out of uh, uh, 15 years or so to live near my sisters in, in Connecticut. Uh, this is the house where uh, my parents lived for 50 years, during which time they threw away nothing. I pulled up that right side garage door right there. My dad is overwhelmed emptying out his house after 50 years. He said, uh, what do you want to do with these? Do any of you recognize these? Does that mean anything to you young people here? Yeah. Boxes of slides, right, and there are, uh, there's a carousel, they call it, the plastic carousel, with 100 slides in each one of those boxes. There are 20 boxes, so that's roughly 2,000 slides, which I knew to be in no particular order. <laughs> I said to my dad, Dad, put them in those big boxes, uh, wrap them up, tape them up, send them to me in Minnesota. I will be the keeper of the family legacy slide uh, show legacy now. It's on me. It's off of you. They're safe. Here's the truth. I really didn't want them because I remembered our family slideshows, and I, I felt uh, that many of our slides were not high quality. It seemed to me a lot of our slides were not well cared for. <laughs> I'd say, Dad, why would you keep a slide like that? Honestly, I'm just, but throw it away. He'd say, no, I like your mom in that little wedge right there. <laughs> I think she looks so pretty. Thirteen hundred of our slides had a flame coming from one side or the other. No idea how it got there or what the cause was. When my mom bought this camera in the camera store, the salesman said to her, Lucille, you're going to love this camera. You can hardly take a bad picture. Then he took the camera in the store, pointed at my mom, and took the very first picture. And focus was a problem, but not for my dad. My dad would look at this slide, and he would say, I love that shot. You're, 
your Aunt Audrey looks so cute in that sailor outfit, and your grandma in the middle, look at the smile on her face. And Lucille, why don't you wear that orange pantsuit anymore? My older sister Sally, she was three years older, is still. We, we would start laughing about two dozen slides out from this one. We would start, <coughs> which ticked my mom off because she knew we were not going to tell. And by the time we got to this slide, we would be in hysterics, but we would never tell. We thought this slide made my mom look naked. Okay, that's my mom. of the digital age, they have no idea the fun they're missing out on. We had a lot of these double exposures. This is one my older sister called Winter Dreams. Another artsy composition of my mom and dad floating over the trees beside the bike in the road by the car. Another shot of my sister in her bathing suit doing handstands in somebody's snowfield. We're not sure who that is. I love the pictures hanging in midair right there. <laughs> this is a picture of my grandma and grandpa on their couch in their living room there in Glacier National Park. <laughs> I know it's a funny picture, but this grabs me every time. Uh, emotionally, I mean, it, it grabs. Probably because it's the only one I have of my grandpa bouncing me on his knee. <laughs> um. Oh, and this is a triple, triple exposure. Right here. I can't prove this to you because you don't know these people, but I swear there are three couples in this photo who have never met. Oh, the blanks blinded us because our pupils would be this big. See, the projectors weren't very good. You had to wait till 10 o'clock at night in the summer to watch a slideshow. You'd have to close every blind, which we probably should have done here, by the way, but, uh, so that we could see these. But, but our, the, the, when the blanks came, we, it would just blank, and everybody would yell, blank. Even the person controlling the projector would go, blank. <laughs> Try it once, everyone. Blank. Your turn. Here we are. Blank. And this is our favorite double. This is Niagara Falls. I think there's a little Myrtle Beach on the top there. It's a picture of me on the left. And to the right there, the giant naked ghost baby. <laughs> and that guardrail's in a handy place, don't you think? <laughs> now, the funny thing is, we don't even know who this little girl is. But she always got huge laughs in our family slides. Not from me. I didn't laugh. I never laughed. I didn't think she was funny. I thought she was creepy. Because she kept showing up in my slides. And she's not getting older, but she's getting bigger. <laughs> oh, what happened here? Anybody know? Any ideas? What happened right here? It melted. It got stuck in the projector. We couldn't get the thing to pull back out again. Got too close to the projector bulb. Just melted. So there's no film at all right there. This is, and this is burnt film right here. But we couldn't throw this picture away. Oh, no, no, because my little sister is in this picture. If we had... 2,000 slides, and we did. Two-thirds of them were my little sister. My little sister. Aw, yeah, there she is. There's my sister. Can we see another one? Yes, we can. My sister. I love this shot. Uh, by the way, if, if you're under 50, that's a lot of you. That's a hair dryer. <laughs> I love this uh, shot. I used this picture when she was uh, four to convince her that when she was born, her foot was on backwards. 
So there was a progression to our family slides. They went sister, focus, flaming, double, damaged, Ghost baby. <laughs> I can tell by the nature of your laughter, you're not even looking at the baby right now. <laughs> Excuse me, that's my family. Now, how many of you remember the name Gary Larson? Is that familiar to any of you? Gary, what did Gary do? Farside. I remember the Far Side comics, huh? You remember those? Yeah, I think Gary knew my people. I can't be sure, <laughs> but I'm looking at this. I'm thinking Gary Larson knew my family. <laughs> oh, and this is my father and myself. This is my 14th birthday, but my, uh, my mom took this picture not to memorialize my birthday on this Sunday morning, but she took this picture because... Uh, this was the, the first and almost the last time that my dad and I realized that we were the same height right there. That's kind of the, it's also the morning we realized I should get a big boy tie. <laughs> and that's my wife, Judy, and myself in 1975. Um, that's my young, beautiful uh, bride of already of a year at that point. Uh, we were 18 when she got married. I, I'm, I was 21. She was 18. I'm, I think it's funny to look at me in that picture and realize I look remarkably contemporary. <laughs> it looks a little bit the way a lot of people look these days. Now, I want to explain to you what just happened, okay? What just happened here, you just witnessed three of my creations. You witnessed a, a two-minute introduction, a comic introduction of myself that I did. Then you saw a three-minute grandparenting, grandchild thing that I did. And then you saw an 11-minute a family, a comic family slideshow right here, um, and to which you might say, well, yes, so what? And I might say the same thing. Had not the process that I went through to create these, had, those, had that process not created another, I don't know how many, 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 many of these types of things that um, kept me busy for 40, over 40 years now, which is a, a remarkable thing. 40 years of... of uh, Fairly lucrative unemployment, which has been, been wonderful. I know it's been 40 years, by the way, because in uh, 2015, I was digging through the basement of my house to find some books in some old boxes down there from, from a previous move, and I found a pile of work calendars, the earliest one being from 1975. And I thought to myself, I wonder what I was doing September 15th, 40 years ago, right now. So I went back to September 15th, 1975, and there it was, my first professional booking written on the calendar, just scribbled in there. And I came upstairs to, to Judy, and I said, Judy, look at this. I said, this, we should be celebrating. This, it's like a, this is like a, an anniversary. I've been doing this for 40 years. And she said, huh. And that was the extent of the celebration right there. That was the whole, <laughs> that was the whole thing. But that got me going in, the, in a process, thinking through a process trying to understand what is this that I've been experiencing? How, how have I been able to do something that um, I think is kind of, yeah, I think it's kind of remarkable? And what have I been, and so I kind of reverse engineered a lot of these pieces that I had written, comic bits and songs and stories and, and books, and how, how have I done this? And I learned a lot of stuff, um, and some I'll share with you this weekend, but I came away with one very important belief, and that is that all of us really need to nurture our creative selves within. Now, why do we need to do that? 
Well, think about it. First of all, because everything that there is, every song, every novel, every painting, every poem, every play, every movie, every sculpture, every ballet, every opera, every recipe, every invention. Some, some caveman, we don't know a lot about him, but, but we know his, la his last name was Fulcrum. He came home from work one day and he said, honey, you will not believe what I figured out how to do with this long pole and this rock. That, that Somebody invented this whole idea of leverage. Somebody figured that out for the first time. It wasn't there. It had to be figured out. Every a recipe, every disease that's ever been cured, it all came through this activity. It was all actualized in the creative spirit. But more importantly, um, what I came to believe is that we need to nurture our creative spirit within because that is the place that our maker collaborates with us in our life. And without that collaboration, we can never fully become the, the people, the person that we were made to be. Think about this. We are created by a creator, the, by the creator that made everything that is. Our lives really began as a kind of a collaboration between our moms and dads. For some, that was a, a holy act. Maybe for some of us, that wasn't a particularly holy act. But even if it wasn't, God says, you know what? I can deal with this. And as the psalmist says, he knit us in our mother's wombs. He knit us. He made us. He crafted us there. We're made in the image and the likeness of God, Scripture teaches us. We're made in the image and likeness of God, which is to say, and this is a remarkable thing, this is a mysterious, miraculous thing. If we're made in the image and likeness of God, then in some ways we are very, very much like God, like Him. Which, and, and though God, He has many, many traits, None are more prominent than his creativity. And his creativity with us, it doesn't end when we're born. In fact, when we're born, when, we are, when, when our mothers gave us birth, that's when God, God's just getting started. Same way with your kids. When you women gave birth to your children, God's just getting started on your child at that point. Your child is not done being created, but something, something miraculous happens at that birth because now it's not just God doing this. Now... There's a collaboration between God and this child as that child is throughout life continuing to be created. Now listen, I know that uh, some of you maybe don't think that you are particularly creative and maybe this doesn't apply to you, but all of us, no exceptions, all of us have a gift in our creative spirit. And it's not that we are creative because Frankly, some of you say you're not creative. You're, you probably aren't. But you have a gift, and it's, in, it's woven into your genes. It's, it's, it's that part of us that is like, it's one of the parts of us that's like our maker. And that gift is a desire and a capacity to experience creativity in our life. That's the gift that we're given, a desire and a capacity to experience creativity. And we open up that gift right away. You know this as parents. You know your kids have opened up that gift. As soon as you're, you're an infant, one day you, you rolled 
you rolled from your back onto your front or from your front to your back. And <laughs> that was exciting. And then one day you got up on your, on your hands and knees and you, you didn't do much more than that for a day or so, but boy, that was exciting. And then you learned, oh, I can rock back and forth like this. Look at this. I can spend, a, I can spend some time doing it. And you learned how to crawl and then you learned how to walk and you, and you piled up blocks and you, and you knocked those blocks over and you piled up, or, or you threw those blocks and you learned that you could do that thing with your nose that made your mom and dad laugh right out loud. And that tickled you when, when you did it. And you learned that you could take that crayon or that marker and rub it on something and make a mark there. Or as was the case with our son, who is, uh, he's 41 now, he's, a, he's an artist, that's what he is. Our son, <clears throat> as was the case with our son, who took a, the pink permanent magic marker and colored in all of the little white flowers on mom and dad's new couch. <laughs> that was, <clears throat> that was a, uh, a pretty exciting day <laughs> in our family. Um, all, of, all of what we were doing, we were, we were experimenting through that whole, those whole first years. We were experimenting continually with this gift in our creative spirit. And that gift is our capacity and our desire to experience creativity, that God-likeness. We liked that. And, and by the way, it was fun for us. It was what we called, and what you parents call when you see your children doing, it was what we call play. And in fact, even as adults, when we experience that creativity in our lives, and many of you know what this is like, even at work, and working on problems and stuff, when you're being creative and stuff, there's an element, isn't there, of fun to it. It almost, I know there's pressure too, because it's work, but, but there's an element of fun and play to it. So... What happened to it? Where did it go? Why is it so hard to, to, to open that gift anymore? And I think the answer is, and this, just isn't, this isn't just my idea. A lot of educators believe this as well. Uh, and it's been written, books have been written about this. Uh, we did really well with our creative spirit and enjoyed it a great deal until we were four or five well, five or six years of age. This is in the Western world now. Five or six years of age, something happened. We went to school. And we learned that at the end of that phrase where you're supposed to fill in the, fill in the blank, you had to put the one correct word in that blank. Or if you're conjugating a sentence, you had to put the comma in just in the right place there. Or when I used to have to learn penmanship, you had to have your letters be just exactly where they had to be along those lines. Or you had to have the right number, the exact right number. Not, you can't be off by a digit here. Or the decimal point has to be in the right place at the bottom of that, of that problem. And if it's not exactly the way it's supposed to be, then you got a red check mark on your page. Well, what's so bad about a red check mark? Well, some of the other children don't have red check marks. So you feel badly because you had more red check marks. And that put a lower grade on your page. And for me personally, then I had to take it home to my mom and dad. And when I got home to my mom and dad, then there was deep disappointment, which sometimes felt like anger to me. And uh, it was just very, very difficult. And the problem is it, it gets harder and harder in that situation to open up your creative spirit anymore. It's still there. The gift is still there. You just can't open it up anymore because creativity doesn't work that way. Creativity is never about finding the one correct answer. Creativity is about playfully trying many things, many things that don't work, that take you along this process of, of, of creativity. That's the way the creative spirit works. That's why it's important. 
that we nurture our creative spirit within because that's the place that uh, we collaborate with our maker. And without that collaboration, we can never fully become the people that God is continuing to create us to be. Um, you all know, all of you know, the process of collaboration. And you know that it can, it can be really good or it can be really bad. I know you all know this because you, you, you're here with a spouse. Um, or maybe you're not here with a spouse. Then you really know how bad it can be, perhaps, you know. Um, the, the, the collaboration uh, can be really, really difficult at times. And one of the things that's so necessary in good collaboration is good communication, right? We need to know how to communicate with one another. Uh, when that, if that communication breaks down, then the collaboration breaks down as well. Um, how does God then communicate to us? How does he speak to us? Well, many ways, but two ways stand out. There are two big ways, and being in this place, uh, one of the ways it stands out this way, he speaks to us through his, through his in incredible, uh, unfathomable artistry in his, in his creation. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. God speaks to us through his, through his creation. God speaks to us through the Holy Word, through the infallible Word of God, through His Bible. Um, your Word is a lamp unto my feet, Psalm 19. It's a light unto my path. And Psalms are filled with words like uh, decrees and ways and precepts and statutes and commands, laws, all point to the idea that it's so important to follow, to, to know God's Word and to, to listen to it and to follow it. But honestly, um, folks, sometimes... It makes me wonder um, why it feels like in, in communicating with God, I, it almost feels like he must speak a different language because I, I sometimes, I'm, I'm not hearing. I'm not, it, it doesn't feel like I'm understanding what God is saying to me. Uh, my grandfather often told me that he only read the Bible uh, in the original language, which, of course, was Swedish. Um, <laughs> You and I, uh, we, we read God's Word uh, in English, most of us, although it's sure helpful for so, some of you in here who have an understanding of Hebrew and understanding the Old Testament or Greek and understanding the, the New Testament. Most of us don't have that knowledge, but fortunately we have concordances and we have uh, lots of study helps and editorial notes and, and excellent teachers in some of our churches who teach us on weekends or books that we can read or videos that we can watch, uh, uh, radio things we can listen to. And that's great because that helps give us a knowledge of what's in God's Word. But that knowledge in our heads, that knowledge in our heads, and we can just fill it. We can really know a lot of things. But if that knowledge in our head uh, doesn't get to our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit, then that knowledge in our heads is, is, never, is not going to make any difference in our life. And it's not going to make any difference in the world unless the Holy Spirit can move that knowledge down into our, to our hearts. Uh, and I'm convinced that the language of God, the language God uses to speak to our hearts, is translated in that place that he's created in us in his image called the creative spirit. Because it's there in the creative spirit that we are inspired. Uh, it's there that we are encouraged it's there that we experience 
comfort uh, or conviction. It's there in the creative spirit that knowledge becomes understanding. Uh, it's there that ideas are born. Uh, it's there that God's leading and pathways are discerned. It's really there in our creative spirit that we learn to listen and understand what God is saying to us, which is important because without uh, the communication, this holy, without good communication, this holy, creative, miraculous, mysterious collaboration that we have, without good communication, it, it falls apart. Uh, and when it falls apart, because that's the place that God speaks to us, then we can't ever, ever realize who we are made to be. Um, so how do we nurture our creative spirit? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're dealing with um, this weekend. And I'm going to um, share with you some disciplines that we can uh, practice later on tonight. Uh, tomorrow morning, we'll look at how we can engage our creative spirit uh, in reading God, as actual reading God's Word, the Bible. Um, and then we'll try it for ourselves here before the weekend is over. But I close with uh, another, some other creations, uh, some stories for you. Uh, my dad, and this is going somewhere, just so you know. Uh, my dad was one of those dads when I was a kid growing up. Uh, hardly a week went by. But what he didn't say to me, when I was your age, I used to get up at 4 in the morning and walk 12 miles to school. Uphill. Both ways. Through the snow. No, you're barefoot. No, no, no. Naked. Many long lines of naked kids going, so cold. You have no idea how cold. Oh, I heard that one all the time. You have I heard that a lot. You have no idea how, if I said to my dad, ah, man, twisted that ankle, there's some pain, my dad would say, you have no idea what pain is. When I was a kid, pain really hurt. Walk it off. That was his solution to any injury. Walk it off. Bloody nose. Walk it off. Diarrhea. Walk it off. Oh. Thanks, Dad. I think it's working. I had appendicitis. My dad told me to walk it up. Now, I cut him some slack, okay, because he, he didn't know that. He's not a medical doctor. I didn't know that he had it, but I did. And when I woke up at 4 a.m., my dad was three feet away going, I'm so sorry. I, if I'd known it was appendicitis, I never, I'm so sorry. I thought it was a gallstone or a twisted bowel. You know. <laughs> hey, you know what? Probably was a little tougher uh, growing up from my dad. A little safer for me than it was for him, huh? Maybe a little safer for my kids than it was for me. Maybe a little safer for my grandkids than it was for my kids. I like to think things are going that way, getting safer. And I understand, of course, there are dangers today uh, that didn't even exist back then. I mean, the internet was not here, so... Uh, the phone was it, texting and driving. That was not, not, not something we talked about when I was a kid, all right? So I understand there are dangers today that we didn't even have. But I think in some ways things are getting better. Um, this was proven to me recently when once again I attempted to put one of my youngest grandchildren in his child safety car seat. <laughs> you know how to do it. For me, it was a puzzle. I, could, I don't know if I did it right. I couldn't even see him. There were just buckles all over his little body. I'm looking at him thinking... He looks like a tiny astronaut in an escape pod right there. 
Contrast that to car seats when I was a kid. In fact, we had this song. You grandparents could sing this with me, I'll bet. I won't ask you to, but it went like this. Buckle up for safety. Buckle up. Buckle up for safety. Always buckle up. Wonderful little ditty. Great little safety campaign, which would have been far more successful had they in those days sold cars with seatbelts. We didn't get buckled up. We got hung up between mom and dad in that bench seat in the front there. A little high chair fair, little metal railing around it because metal is safe. <laughs> little canvas straps so the baby wouldn't fall through. And on the metal railing, a hard red pretend plastic <laughs> steering wheel. <laughs> my baby sister loved it. Gave her a sense of control as she swung to the dash every time my dad saw. <laughs> she kept turning the radio off and on. She'd hit it. My big sister and I, we would be fighting in the back seat. And I understand that all children through all ages have fought in the back seats. Okay, I get that. But the difference between your kids and my big sister and, and I, when we fought back there, we'd be standing up. <laughs> <laughs> my dad would say, hey, hey. Hey, you, hey, you want me to come back there? I thought that was a fascinating idea. <laughs> yeah, sure, Dad. Come on back since you're driving. You know. All right, Bobby, that's it. Time out. Up in the back window. He would put me in the back window for a time out. Turn around. I don't even want you looking this way, so I'd be laying up there in the back window. little solar heat coming in, I remember that. Oh, look, a farmer on a combine passing us on this busy road. And he's drinking. <laughs> Praying he wouldn't have to swerve for deer because there were deer everywhere. Every, I know there are deer around, around here. I, 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 obviously, there are lots of deer in Minnesota. You wouldn't believe northern Pennsylvania, honestly. There's nothing. Still to this day, it's the biggest deer. I was like 10 before I realized that deer were living creatures. And we had, think about that, in my town, we had packs of roving dogs in my town. Talk about danger. They didn't, they didn't, these days, every dog's got a collar with a license, with a leash, with an owner, with a plastic bag walking behind it. Back then, no, the packs of dogs, and they ran in V's like this. And there were no little dogs because all the little ones had been eaten by the big ones. And their whole purpose was to terrorize little children like me. It was so frightening. I remember I was 10 years old. This, think about this. If it was, this was one of your children now, okay? I'm 10 years old. I'm, I'm out in the driveway shooting baskets. Well, pretending because we didn't have a hoop. But I felt this. <laughs> I felt this. I heard this. I turn around. Pack of dogs come, coming right after me. And I screamed. I ran to the screen door and slammed it. But too late because one of the dogs got his paw stuck right in the aluminum door. It was the one-eyed dog. Later known as the one-eyed, three-legged dog. And I wasn't going to let go, and I, and I was screaming. And my dad said, what is the racket down there? I said, oh, Dad, these mean dogs. He said, you have no idea what mean dogs are. <laughs> when I was a kid, every dog had rabies. <laughs> oh, I've had so much fun at my dad's expense. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, but I want, I, I want you to know if he were here uh, tonight, uh, he would, or today, he'd be sitting, uh, well, he'd be sleeping, but <laughs> I would tell these stories, and he would just be, he would be delighting in them, which just tickles me to know that my, my dad gets it. My, my dad understands uh, my profession. My dad understands that I'm just using him 
to make money. That's what I did. <laughs> hardly ever seen him angry. That's the truth. That is the honest goodness truth. I've hardly ever seen my dad angry. Um, one time, I, he, I had a slinky. How many of you had slinkies, by the way? The, yeah, that's pretty much it. Some of you didn't raise your hand, but you had one. Or, or they were in, yeah, that has to be one of the greatest marketing feats in all of American history right there. Think about this. Some marketing genius convinced, listen, 300 million of us that we all had to have our own personal spring. <laughs> And what else could it do, people? <laughs> that was about it. It did not go downstairs. No, it didn't. No, it did not. No, yours didn't either. No, it, went, no, it went down two steps and threw itself down the rest. You know that's true. I had a giant slinky. We're talking you know, close to two bucks. And apparently, after playing with it one day, I left it laying in the high grass. Where the next day, my dad hit it with the power mower. And this did upset him a bit. Though it may not have been so much anger as it was just fear. Because <laughs> that is a terrifying sight to see that ever-lengthening strand of wire an inch and a half above the ground rotating at 2,200 RPM. <laughs> Mowed the whole backyard in three and a half seconds that day. So. I got a call from my mom a few years back. She said, your dad's had a terrible accident. My dad, old man, had climbed up in an apple tree, 18 feet. That's about as high as you can go in an apple tree. He's 18 feet in an apple tree, picking the apples up there and throwing them to my cousin, who, who should have been in the apple tree. <laughs> and my cousin is catching the apples and putting them in an apple basket. And my dad figured out if he could pick a whole lot of apples and throw them faster than my cousin could catch them and put them, that he could repeatedly hit my cousin. And they got laughing. Well, my dad was. Grabbed a rotten limb, snapped off 18 feet to the ground. Old paratrooper, he managed somehow, I think it was luck, he managed to land on his side, but of course, something's going to go. He shattered his pelvis. They have him in surgery for four or five hours trying to screw him back together. My mom's trying to get a hold of me for four, two, four, six, eight hours. I can't remember why. She finally gets through. I said, can I talk to him? She said, yeah, I think so. I want you to know, folks, that you probably can sense this. I love my mom and dad. I'm a kid who's always loved his mom and dad, and never a moment in my life have I questioned if my mom and dad loved me. I always knew how much they loved me. But having said that, I would also tell you that my dad and I, we didn't say those three words, I love you. Hardly ever. And I've wondered why that is, because I always said those words to my boys, and they to their children, and now I continually to my grandchildren. But all, and, and, but all those years growing up, now, now my dad and I, by the way, we talk a couple times a week, we FaceTime, we never end a conversation without several times saying, love you, dad, love you, son. But all those years growing up, 18 years, we didn't say those words. I said to my mom, can I talk to him? She said, yeah, I think so. And then I heard him say, hi, Bob, two syllables, and I heard the pain in my dad's voice. Never heard pain in my dad's voice before. I said, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. 
He said, well, thanks, Bob. I said, I heard you were up pretty high. He said, you have no idea how high. <laughs> I thought he was going to tell me about how his skin was heating up as he came through the atmosphere back down to earth. I said, Dad, I wish there was something I could say to make you feel better. He said, well, thanks, Bob. And then I realized, of course, there was something. And I said those three words so long overdue. I said, Dad, walk it off. Come on. Come on. Which got him laughing pretty good, by the way. <laughs> Apparently, it really hurts to laugh with a crotch full of screws. But hey, story would not have to have ended that way. I might have said, I love you, Dad. And had I said that, I know he said, well, you have no idea how much I love you, which is, listen, folks, and I hope, I just pray you know this is true. It's exactly what God says to us in this room this morning. You have no idea how much I love you. You have no idea. You have no idea. And some of us might be tempted to say, oh, no, no, God, actually I do. I, I understand because I've, I've read your word and I've, I've, been, I've sought to follow you my whole, I know if I'd been the only one who you needed to save, if I was the only one who had sinned, you would have died upon the cross just for, I know how much you love me. And he goes, no, no, listen, understand this. You have no idea how much I love you. Grandparents, do our grandkids have any idea how much grandma and grandpa love them? Not possible. Parents, do your kids have any idea how much you love them? They can't possibly. They can't, they, they're not capable of understanding the depth of our love for them. I think it's, I know it's that way with us and God, except infinitely more so. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the middle of Ephesians says, I pray that you along with all the saints, you meaning us, along with all the saints, those who have gone before us, might know how uh, high or wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And then he says something unusually. He says, I pray that you might know this love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, I pray that you might know this love that you can't know. Well, how can I know something? How can I know something I can't know? I think what he's saying is, I, 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 I pray that you might know this love that you can't know with your head, that you can understand in your heart, where I speak, where I collaborate with you to make you who, who, I'm, who I am creating you, your children to be. Um, those slides that I showed to, to you, uh, I chose the very worst ones for comedic purposes, but I want you to know I recently went through all 2,000 of those slides, and I'm telling you folks, they are just awful. <laughs> and I didn't mind the ones that got stuck in the projector, mechanical problem. I didn't mind the flame coming from the sides, Mechanical problem. I didn't mind the double exposures. It was winding. We could hear it clicking. Mechanical problem. The ones that drove me nuts were the ones that looked like this. I remember this day sitting around the table there. This is me, my grandma, my sister, my brother-in-law. We were sitting at that table at that church picnic. We were discussing at that very moment how we all felt so clear and crisp. <clears throat> These drove me nuts, and we had hundreds of these. They drove me nuts. Every one that came up, oh, oh, 
Oh, there's another one. And we never took them out. We couldn't throw them away, of course, because they're so nice. Um, this was operator error, and it was my dad's. And I tried to imagine, even as an adult, and I go, How, what could have possibly distracted him so badly? He failed to do the one thing you could do with that camera, focus the lens. But he, we had hundreds of these that were out of focus. But I've uh, cut my dad a lot of slack through the years because I've uh, come to realize in my own life that I am so often so terribly distracted by so many things in my life that do not matter. They just don't. They're just, they don't matter. And I'm so distracted by them that I fail to focus on what's most important. So congratulations, everybody, because you've made one good decision coming here this weekend. Because you've taken a long weekend out of your life to focus on something so important. That is your family that you've come here to recreate with, to recreate with here in this beautiful place that God's provided for us. Uh, but you've also come here to, to consider this collaboration, this uh, miraculous, mysterious, holy collaboration that God invites us into with him. So um, that's great. That's great. I'd like to pray for you, okay? God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for every single person who is here. Uh, thank you even more so, God, that you are right here in this room. Your spirit envelops us here. You speak, uh, you put knowledge in our minds, you speak to our hearts. May you do that in a powerful way this weekend, Lord. And may we leave here uh, feeling that we've entered into something uh, very special, this collaboration you have for us. Pray this in your holy name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, everybody. God bless.